0: Welcome back to the Next Aid Station Podcast. This is episode number six. I'm your host, Jake Kilgore. Today, very special guest and incredibly very good friend of mine. Mr. John Frampton is in studio today with us. And we are coming right off the cusp of just SolarCon just a few days ago. John played several roles at SolarCon, of which I had, had the opportunity to be there. And uh, and watch him on stage, master of his craft. Well, you know, go on. <laughs> go on. This sounds really good. You make me sound great. <clears throat> John, so let's talk a little bit of SolarCon. But before we get into SolarCon and kind of what happened there, we'll talk about your current solar company, and we'll get into what's happening at Nevo. But I want to I start with, just for the listeners, a little background, a little history of your career. Uh, from what I know, is you were a an old security guy, Pinnacle security guy for about 4 years, 2008 to 2012, and then you made the big jump over to Solar with Solar City. Talk to me about or the listeners let us, let us know what happened with with that transition. Why did you go to Solar? What was happening in 2012 and 2013 in Solar in your career?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Hayes, if you remember when I was interviewing him at SolarCon, he's like if you talk about the past, you're old. If you talk about the new, you know, the future, you're, you're young. Yeah. So I guess I'm going to be old for a second, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. no, it's it, it, in 2013, when I made the transition to solar. So for all you people that are relatively new to the industry, or you've been in it a couple of years, it was not going to work in 2013. Everybody said it's not going to work. Commissions aren't going to be there. The installs aren't going to be there. Back in the day when I joined solar city, they had gone from nine months average install time to six months and i'll never forget the day that we got to i believe it was 63 days and with Jake we freaked out we rang a gong we went nuts and so if if you're wondering you know is the future of solar good it's never been better and in 2013 it was good but all the all the companies that were in pest control and security they were all just hating on it and they continued to hate on it in fact 2 years ago i sat or a year and a half ago i sat down with a guy who owns a, a pretty large uh, security company and he he started giving me the exact same rhetoric that was given in 2013. And he's just like, yeah, but John, you know this isn't gonna last very much longer. You know, and just the same thing they were saying in 2013. And then they extended the the ITC 10 years, brought it back up to 30%. But yeah, no, I I I went and worked to answer your question, I went and worked at Solar City. Uh it was Hayes Barnard, the CEO of Goodleap, was the one who recruited me in Tongi Sarah. And then they got me in front of Lyndon Rive, who's as you know, is Elon's first cousin. And Elon was our chairman. I just remember I wasn't that impressed with Elon. I didn't know much about him. And uh, it wasn't it didn't register like how big of an opportunity it could be. But yeah, down I worked there for four years. We were the largest solar company by a, a mile. It was Solar City and number two, I think it was Sunrun back then, then Vivint and so on. But it was number two through number seventy-six, if you added all of their numbers together, equal the size of Solar City. That's that's how big they were. That is
0: wild. Do, do you think we'll ever have a solar city in our industry again? Or is it just too fragmented, too many people got in, it's too big now to where like someone will really rise to be a behemoth or a gorilla?
1: I don't know. It's, 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 it's weird how the industry has taken so many different turns. We've gone from, you know, the big three, big three companies, you know, and, and I remember back then it was like, hey, there's always three big competitors, there's Pepsi, Coke, and... Shasta, whoever the third one is, you know, (laughs) people don't really know who the third, but there's always two and then a third off brand and solar city. We, we thought it was going to be us and two other companies and everybody else would die. And, And what happened was when Tesla bought solar city, the, when you say fragmented all the mom and pop shops or the, you know, the local installers, it was their time to shine. And people realized the huge company isn't the way to go. If anybody felt secure in their job, it was me and the guys working there we were producing an insane amount of volume we were doing it half the cost the rest of the company is and if you look at solar city not not to not to you know shit on anybody but if you look at solar city you know the 2000 people that we had no other sales forces inside solar city went off and did their own companies and did well and if you look at that door to door the direct to home group i mean there's so many huge companies that are run by i mean there's just an amazing amount of talent and so we thought if anybody was going to be secure it was us and, you know, it came straight from Elon himself. We were the first program to get shut down inside City, which is...
0: So 2,000 plus sales reps, the the, the, door, the door-to-door division, or the direct-to-home division, whatever they called it, right? Yep. That was what you ran. That's what you oversaw. 2,000 plus sales guys out in the field, gals Bil- and
1: guys. Billions in revenue. So but installed revenue, not if sold, I, installed. If I
0: remember right, you guys were doing upwards of like 20,000
1: deals. It, I don't remember the exact number of deals. It was it or was, was it one of those stories where it keeps growing yeah, over yeah, time. It gets bigger every time. Next somebody year it be like, like yeah, 30,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the truth, the truth, though, we were number, we're, the next 75 competitors combined were the same size as City. All that stuff's true. But yeah, mine, mine keep depending on who you ask. It gets bigger bigger. Okay, bigger. so
0: 10, 20,000, we'll say 10 to 20,000 installs a month.
1: It was it was it was a ton,
0: a crazy uh, number. From what I heard, it was a, a big number. I'm sure we could look it up. It was all yeah. public information. But I think starting there and starting your career at Solar City and having that go away and Tesla is who they are and they're doing their thing. And there's Sunrun, who merged with Vivint, and then there's you know some of these other bigger companies that are more privately held. There's some public ones, but some privately held companies that are making big waves. That are pretty big, raising money and doing some pretty cool things. But I always wonder if all of those fragmented pieces from Solar City that really have created solar today, right? They're I mean, they they've created Goodleap, they created all these other tons of EPCs, tons of sales teams. You at that point in time in your career, when you were essentially, what was it, 2017, mm-hmm. let like, go, oh, you know, solar city was essentially washed away. You guys were on your own. Where were you in in, in your personal career at that point? Like, what were you going through personally that, and why did you make the next decision that you made?
1: It was Jake, it was, it was so shocking because we had, again, we were half of the cost of every other sales channel. So we were the most profitable and we had earned the, we'd earned the respect of everybody at solar city. Cause it wasn't like that from the, from the outset. When I got there, you know, they had a few people, you know, Jared Gillespie and uh, Fusion is a big company out of Arizona. They, they he was there before I was court Reynolds who now works at Sunrun and Jesse Folsom. They were the two that actually helped recruit me to go there. And what we did was the unthinkable. I mean, we, 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 you know, every time we see people from solar city, it's kind of like people are in Afghanistan together or Vietnam. It's like, we just have that common You're in war bar. together. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, and, and when Elon came in and and we were the first channel to go, it, I, I think it was, very, it was very thoughtful on his end. It's like, that's a huge message to send to the rest of the company that's like, hey, it doesn't matter that they're the most profitable, it doesn't matter that they're producing the most volume, um, it could potentially jeopardize our brand, and this isn't the direction we're going. And so we knew at that point, everybody else in Solar City they knew, oh no, If the best is the first to get dismantled. And it was shortly after he let go of his cousins, Mm-hmm. You know the founders of the company, and then they got rid of the call center, and then they got rid of customer service, and actually the call center ended up being a little bit later, and then eventually the Home Depot's you know went with it, but it was devastating, Jake. It was devastating. I mean, and I've I've always
0: I've ran one solar and learned from some of these great leaders that we have running in our industry, and one of the sayings that I have tried to run my business by is you you don't you can't be a, the leader. Unless you can make the tough decisions, so in that instance, it felt like Elon was making a tough decision. And now looking at it, it's like it didn't take very long to figure out. I think he made the right call. Tesla's a top five residential solar installer, and they have zero sales reps outside sales reps. Yeah, and they're still crushing it because of their brand and what they've built on the Tesla side. So you, so you leave, uh, you're dismissed or whatever you want to call it. You guys are all let go. And now you have this large network of sales teams, of sales groups and sales people. And I think you had kind of a sales dealership
1: at that time, right? Kind of, yeah. I think what was going through my head was anything I was thinking about, it felt like JV ball. And I had some amazing companies make me some really amazing offers uh, to bring me in as a C-level and come help run their companies. And nothing felt – it was was like, man, we were in the NFL. You know, we were – we were winning championships year after year after year and everything else felt like JV ball. And not, not to say like I was better than that. It was just, when you're rolling, you know, your cubicles right here and Linden Rive and Hayes Barnard and Tongi Sierra, they're all right there. You're in proximity of the smartest minds, you know, not just in solar, but like they're some of the smartest business minds mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. And so to see them go off and have the success they've had with GoodLeap wasn't shocking at all. Any of us that knew them, we knew like we knew for sure that was going to work. Um, you know, and the, I, I could have easily gone and worked with those guys. Those are my homies, Paul, Steph, and all them. Like I could have said, "Hey, I'm going to come jump in with GoodLeap." But what happened was when when Lyndon came back, it was it was a shock to me for sure. We knew we were going to change our strategy in Solar City and where we were going. And I'm sure this is going to be very boring for a lot of people. But anybody who worked at Solar City is probably like, "Okay, all right, tell us what really happened," because uh, I haven't really talked about it since. But Elon was spo- or uh, Lyndon. Well, I, was,
0: I, I'm going to cut you off just for one second. I think it's incredibly interesting because. A large majority of people in solar weren't even around when Solar city was around. Most people in solar have been in, in solar since what 2018, nineteen, like three, four, five years. so this this we are aging ourselves, but we're talking about the beginning of solar as we know it in America really was solar city. yeah, and I think that the history of that creates the pathway for what we're doing today and why it's so fragmented with all these sales teams and all these EPCs, but they all really like have, are probably two or three connections away from solar city.
1: hundred percent for sure. If not, if not one connection, one right. degree and they don't even realize yeah. that, you know, that's, but yeah, no, I I had called, I had called all those guys to get their opinion when I started Nevo and, you know, some guidance for that matter. And I didn't end up talking to Linden until we were, we were in business eight or nine months. And I, reached out to Lyndon and you know he was super responsive and was, it was awesome. I haven't talked to him in a couple of years. And I just said, Hey, I just want to pick your brain, you know, and, and just find out how you built such an amazing company with such amazing values. Cause I really want to transfer that into my company. And, you know, I know, I know what it was like cause I was there, but we were all so bought in. It was, and the money was just a byproduct. It was, you know, Hayes came up with this amazing catchphrase. It was uh believe in a better way. I think is what, what it was. And we were all just like, we really wanted to make our mark on the planet. We wanted to make a difference in solar. And when I was talking to him, I was like, Lyndon, what are some crazy facts that, you know, because I feel like the whole industry owes those guys like homage. Like Mm -hmm. they should be getting some sort of royalty off of everything we're doing. It was $25 million a year that he was spending in in governmental affairs. So his team, everything they're pushing for policy and pushing local utilities Mm -hmm. and all the pushback we were getting, every area we were opening, it was like a giant battle. And these utility companies at the time hadn't ever, they'd never faced competition. And so they, if you've ever gone up against somebody who's been a monopoly and they've never had competition, they freak out. They start, I mean, they start slinging mud. I mean, they're they're doing all the stuff that we know doesn't work. And uh, and we were at the forefront of it. And, you know, we, we were, (laughs) we had to shut down Arizona or Nevada and move everybody to Texas. But uh, to answer your question, to get back to where, where you were going is, We knew, I knew Tesla was going to come in and change things up and they had created some opportunities that potentially the top 10% of our guys would have an amazing job that they could work into and work in the stores. And, um, and it just didn't, it didn't play out that way. And it ended up, you know, it was just like, Hey, we're, we're done. And, and I had talked to, I went in, I had a one-on-one scheduled and, uh, it was like an hour later we did the phone call. And one of the things I think I'm most proud of at least is Lyndon was just going to do the phone call and he's just kind of like, Hey, you go do your thing. And it was a conference call. I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to sit right by your side and, and deliver the message with you. And it was devastating. And I think a lot of guys thought I had some like backdoor plan or something. And he did. He, he I had an, a really good offer to stay at, and figure out, you know, a spot and a role in Tesla. And he just wasn't even an option for me. Like just, you know, my team that had bled with me, uh, like there's just no way I was going to stick around. And so, yeah, it, it Jake, it was, it was, Devastating to say the least. And it's funny because in the moment, we had worked so dang hard to build what we built. And in the moment, it was like, it was just the end. Like, what am I going to go do that is ever going to be as impactful or meaningful or, you know, be something I bragged to my kids about This going to, and starting my own company at the time just felt like, what kind of impact could I possibly have? And I, I went down that, you know, all the thoughts that you have when you're in that state of mind. You know who am I? What can I do? And it's the world telling you you're not good enough. And it's funny because I preach positivity and I preach, you know, the 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 being able to shrug the the negative things in my life off. And and I've been relatively good at it. But this one caught me, man. It caught me. And I was, I was paralyzed for a bit. And well, and I think that's that's part of what
0: we're trying to learn in our careers. Part of what really what this podcast is 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 about. In this next aid station mentality, I think. Everyone that knows John Frampton is like upbeat. He's funny. He's he's there. You, you're such a live energy in the in the show <laughs> and in the moment. You're a true sales guy, like true sales guy, and just so genuine to the heart. So people that know you that way are like, "Oh, John, like he's funny. He's outgoing." And then you can listen to every podcast and read any book about staying positive and getting through tough times. Until it slaps you in the face. and then how do we respond? Mm-hmm. And today you run you're the CEO of Nevo, uh, large Texas EPC, um, also you know all your in- in-house sales and EPC, you're doing the whole thing A to Z at Nevo as CEO. but the transition from what in our industry people be like oh he's a sales guy to CEO overseeing procedures and installation, yeah. What has that transition been like the last 12 months? What have you learned there?
1: Well, I think I think one of my one of my biggest takeaways from from that whole experience in Silicon Valley was to think bigger. And what I learned while I was there was I was able to work around people who thought, I mean, outside the planet. I mean, they were thinking about colonizing Mars. You know, that those are the conversations that people were talking about. And, you know, how would that happen? And I'm just this Dork from Utah that dropped out of Weber State two and a half years in to pursue a career in door to door sales, and but man, I was a student. I was learning Jake the entire time. I was listening and watching and learning. What I noticed was uh, Hayes and Lyndon and Tongi and all. This, they had these teams that they had built around them, and you know Lyndon was smart enough to know he needed Tongi Sarah to come run operations because Tongi's the best of the best at anything he does. But you know he took he was the one that took those timelines from nine months to sixty three days and. Um, so I watched Lyndon. and I was like, man, he's, he gets the best people and, and surrounds himself with them and either makes some partners or, uh, finds a way to convince them to, you know, his way of thinking and to come build his dream. And so I, I took a bunch of those pages and, and just kept mental notes. And I was fortunate of my, you know, uh, business partner, you know, they're all, everybody in Nevo is my business partner, but you know, Tyler Bradshaw and I were the, were the first to go out and start this thing. And we were able to convince, you know, uh. A guy who, who who's another partner of ours, uh, Jake Red, to come join us. Who's he was? You know, he, the guy's he's incredible. Jake, he, he is so far like beyond where I should uh, of somebody that should be in my network. You know, and the fact that he's our COO and he's helping. You know, he's been a, a corporate attorney for twenty years, and he's a savant. The guy's he he remembers everything he's ever read and. And so the fact that we're able to convince someone like that to come to join us, then we've got this amazing sales force and all these people helping around the back end, but I just, good people. It's, you know, it's the people, the process, and then the product. And I think often people get that all. And, and then the brand, I think often people they go out and they try to build their brand and they do all this social media stuff and Hey, we're the biggest and the best. And then they're in the back trying to figure out the process.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, he- I heard you say that. Those three P's. I heard you say that at SolarCon. I loved it. I'm a huge believer in the people, and I think I kind of said this. I've heard it a few times. Um, Mick, who was on our show a few episodes ago, our our, my COO here at One Solar, has said similar things. To look, I love solar. It's great, but I don't feel like I go to work every day because Mm -hmm. the people that I work with, and the people that and the group that we created, the foundation. And that's kind of what we have here, but that's what you guys have at Nevo and that's what makes you guys special in the markets that you're in and the growth that you're seeing and just being in business, you know, 12, 15 months or whatever it's been now. And but that foundation of you and Tyler and some really good sales leaders and bringing in Jake and that foundation, you guys could do anything. You, you don't have to do solar. You would be just as successful building homes, selling cars right i mean yep. it, it, that group of people that you have the culture you've created is is special
1: and i think that's it i think that's i think you, you just nailed it it's that culture that you're you're creating and if you if you try to force that culture it it, it, it doesn't work like you have to that buy in it you have to be in my opinion you know in my experience anyways it's when you bring somebody into that culture it's you're not just hey this is our culture you can form. it's hey come add your special sauce to it you know come we like and, what you have. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and we've had people come in. And we had this one, you know, in the summer we were struggling like crazy to get our accounts processed. And we went out and found this this girl named Megan and she came in with her own energy and her own culture. And she she not only fit our culture, but she helped make our culture better. And, you know, our, our motto at Nevo is for the better. And meaning, you know, we want every customer to have a, an experience that's for the better. If you're an employee and you work there, you know, it was for the better. And But where it really stemmed from was, yeah, we'll get into that here in a minute, but but yeah, no, that culture, Jake, it's it's what makes the difference, and you know, in kind of shifting gears, going back to the Solarcon thing, and I mentioned you in my in my presentation on Saturday, and uh, I know you had problem with the girls, so you couldn't be there, but I mentioned you because for a number of different reasons, but mainly you were able, you were you were one of the first people I sat down with and talked to about starting an EPC. And you warned me, you told me all the ugly things. Mm-hmm. And what did I tell you? Oh, I mean <laughs> a lot, but you scared the, the, the hell out of me, honestly. <laughs> I
0: was, oh, I, I remember, I remember we'd meet at the rock in our cul-de-sac. We'd meet in the street. We'd talk on the phone. We'd go to a restaurant. We talked a lot for weeks and months. Um, I remember being laying in my bed in July with COVID talking to you on the phone. Um, about all of this that's happening and how to what to do right and I remember going dude I don't know man like it's hard it's really hard it's really really hard and then giving you examples of why it's hard yeah and it's funny you listened and then you're like okay I'm still gonna do it
1: yeah I almost felt like there were times where I'm like is Jake does he know that this is pushing me to do this is he you know is he strategically trying to get me fired up because it sometimes it did work so I'm like all right if Jake doesn't you know I knew how much you believed in me and the fact that i almost felt like there was a little bit of doubt i was like i'm going to go prove jake not wrong but i'm going to prove him right i'm going to prove him i am as good as i yeah i say i am type of thing you yeah, know
0: i can do this i can put this together that sounds really hard and maybe i'm up for the challenge so let's back up a hair because you you met my wife and kids before you met me in 2017 you moved into the neighborhood Because I think you moved from the Bay Area, right? Yeah. You moved from the Bay Area after that that Solar City, you know, kind of, I don't know what they called it, if that was a layoff or a let go or we're just dismantling the sales teams, whatever we're doing. And you moved back home because you and Morgan are both from Davis County, both from Utah right here where I'm from. And you guys bought a beautiful home in the cul-de-sac where I live. And you met Bree and the kids. I was on a short vacation in Florence, Colorado, a two-year vacation. And uh, you met my wife and kids before you met me. What do you remember about about that time period?
1: Oh man, I'm not going to get emotional on this podcast. I'm going to try my best to keep this together, Jake. I remember everything like it was it was yesterday. I so to, to to clear things up, I bought what was our dream home at the time. We moved from California, moved back to Utah. It was it was good times. It was happy times, even though I was going through, uh, you know, from a career perspective. It was devastating. I had plenty of money and was able to take some time to really strategically pick my next move. and And I moved back. and I had a friend that came over to visit me at the house. He's like, "Hey, that's Jake Kilgore's house." Like, "Yeah, yeah." And and he knew your story in 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 detail. I mean, he knew it intimately. And he sat there for an hour and a half and just said how you're one of the best guys out there. and you know, and I'm not going to make excuses for you because I, that's what I love about you is I've never once heard you make an excuse uh, about your your entire situation. But you know, he had a list of of things on your on what what had happened with you, and um and I known of that situation. I'm like, oh, that's him. I'm like, oh my gosh, his wife and kids are so nice. And and Jake, I did. I just remember everybody saying, John, you're going to be fine. Oh, John, you always figure things out. Everything always happens you know, you always figure a way to, to make things, uh, turn into to something positive. And I, I just didn't feel like it. I felt like crap. And my family was rallying around me. They were all instilling confidence in me, but I didn't have anybody to, like put their arm around me and say, Hey man, like I know you are really struggling and not because they didn't want to, but because I don't think they, they realized I needed that. And I was broken. I was just, I was, I was hurt. I was really hurt. I felt like I'd let a lot of people down. And, and then, uh, and then I met your wife and had one conversation with her and was just blown away with, you know, your, your situation and everything had happened. And, um, and I remember watching specifically, not to bring church into this, but I remember when you came home, like your energy was so, I mean, it was just like, I, I'll never forget the look on your face and the look on Bree's face had completely changed, man. Like your wife's countenance had gone from... You know, just like got to make it through this. I'm going to make it through this too. It's like you just put life in her. And I'll never forget, I, I sat behind you and I watched you put your arm around your wife. And she was as close to a person as she could possibly get. And your family was just like complete. And I remember just watching that whole thing thinking, here I am whining about my situation. And this dude goes and he comes back. His family's doing amazing. First of all, your family's amazing for making it through that but you didn't skip a beat. You did not skip a beat. And that was around the time I started thinking, John, you got to stop feeling sorry for yourself. There are, everybody's got something bigger going on and you could say the same. There's somebody that's dealing with, you know, cancer and, uh, you know, a life threatening illness. That's like, Hey, what, what I went through was nothing. And that's how I felt. I felt like what I was going through was nothing. And, when I met you, I was blown away with your energy and you and I clicked right out the gate. It was like, you're like a long lost brother. I mean, we, we, you and I got along from the outset and it, we haven't, we haven't looked back, but I'll never forget like how I felt watching. And I'm so grateful. I am so beyond grateful that you've shared your stuff with me, but also even if we never knew each other. I, the fact that I was able to witness and watch the transformation of your family and everything that they went through, you've got the best family, man. Like you just do. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks. No, that
0: story, um, I've, you know, touches me, my family, hopefully, you know, um, some of the people listening that there's, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I remember, you know, I say that phrase because the day I checked in and i self surrendered influence, no one knew, but my wife and kids no one at work, my parents, my siblings. and I remember sending a text message just from outside the gate just as I was leaving to maybe three or four different kind of group messages, my siblings, my parents, and some you know my partners and I remember sending a text saying like today is the first day where there's just this tiny glimpse of light at the end of the tunnel, which because it'd been dark for so long that now I finally, Image, this like, is you going in? This or is you me going, going in. Me wow. going in saying, okay, like today is there's a tiny, tiny glimpse, a ray of light at the end of the tunnel. And every day going forward, it's going to get just slightly brighter. So for the next two or three years, it's going to get a little brighter, a little better every single day going in. And then coming home, it's like that light is bright, right? Like I, I think I mentioned the other day, it was like, that day was like one of, if not the best day of my life, right? Coming home. So having that perspective and trying to just be positive, it is hard. It is, it is incredibly hard. And and like I said, you can read every book and every podcast and and whatever, listen to every speech in the world, but until you get punched in the mouth and you're going through it yourself, you really don't know how you're gonna respond. And and so relating these stories and helping people relate and and truthfully for me it's it's talking about these types of moments in our careers it's not all the great stuff we do it's like what do we learn from the dark days when we're down the dumps and things are tough and difficult you know you went you went through your own patch um this guy did that guy did everybody has their their time when they're 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 down mm-hmm. and they could be real low so I, you know i come home and we we meet up we become Instant friends, like we'd been brothers. We get along. You're really gonna say well. best friends.
1: It's okay. We we did. We came best friends. We came, back, right back, we came best friends first day, <laughs> yeah. day
0: one. So um, John John's married to Morgan. Five amazing boys, and um, our cul-de-sac is live and vibrant because of the high-crust best. Our, the high-crust best, and we have a great time together. So inside of this, so you 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 have had these patches where you really struggled and what did you look for and where like where'd you get inspiration to be like i gotta pull myself out of this like you've made good money you've you've been on stage you've done well in your career and then and then you've been in spots in your in your career in your life you're like man i don't know if i can do this like did i did you lose confidence what, was that, what were some of those moments like, you know, j- these are just, what, two, three years ago?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah, not that long ago. Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely, yes. You, you question yourself, you lose confidence, you start listening to the world, you're not good enough, you know. And again, my, my family, I've got, I've got the, the best family. My I've got two sisters, four brothers. I'm the youngest of seven. Uh, my parents are awesome. I had a very charmed childhood. I uh, didn't grow up rich, didn't grow up poor. My mom cleaned houses to make sure we had, you know, the the school clothes that we wanted or whatever. And like, it was just like, my parents were great. And, uh, my siblings installed confidence in me from the day I was born. And so I've always felt really fortunate that I've had two sisters that were like two amazing moms and aunts that, you know, that raised me. And then my four brothers have always been such good examples, but I think they, they thought, you know, it's Johnny, he'll figure it out. He's okay. And inside I was was dying. I was just like, where am I going to go? and have that big of an impact again. And it wasn't, it truly wasn't the money I missed out on because the Tesla stock would have turned into, mm-hmm. you know, 50, 60, 70. I mean, it was it was a lot of money that was left on the table and it was what I was going to do with that and whose lives I was hoping to try to bless with that. And I think had it come that way, uh, it, I don't want to say it would have come too easy, but man, I'm uh, Jake, I am grateful that I didn't get that money in Tesla stock. Uh, I genuinely am am grateful for the hell that I went through because it it taught me everything I needed to know to start Nevo. And you would think it would be like, oh, it's all the stuff you learned. Those four years at Solar City were great, and I did. I learned. It was kind of like I got my MBA from you know Silicon Valley or whatever. Uh, and I did. I learned a ton. But it was it was the shit that I went through is what taught me. And it wasn't Solar City. I didn't I didn't understand. I didn't learn the lesson there. I had to get beat down again.
0: Mm-hmm. So in, yeah, in between Solar City and Nevo, there are a few pit stops in there that lasted a year yearish, yeah, nine yeah. to twelve months. Yep. This one didn't work out for whatever reason. Now let's try this one and this one. And you've always been able to, because of your network and your 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 ability to just perform. And, and I mean, you have you have this knowledge and this base that that you could make any company successful, and everyone realizes that. So your opportunities are endless. And you have this opportunity and you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to grab that one mm-hmm. and it didn't work out. And then this one and this one, I think you had about three mm-hmm. opportunities in there that that looked really good, felt really good, didn't
1: work out. What is it about Nevo that is so special? Well, back up to answer your question you asked a few minutes ago. It's so a, cu- a couple things. So, um, first of all, like I, I made millions along the way and so I can't complain so while I was, while, while, while things didn't work out, I was making money. And so I'm so grateful for the industry and the opportunities that are out there. And so from a financial perspective, you would look at it and be like, no, you did really well. You were fine. Yeah. But, great. uh, but that man, that was not the plan. The plan was to change as many people's lives as I possibly can be a part of. Because You can't change your life. They have to change it. But I want to build a platform that they could come in and change their life on and, that's why when your, when your book came out, man, it resonated with me so hard because you taught, you kept talking about aid stations and, and, and by the way, I'm so grateful to be on this podcast in the, in the top 10, number six. Uh, <laughs> but Jake, you, you, you were, and I remember reading your book and I was just thinking the whole time, like Jake was one of my aid stations. And I think you can't just have one. I think you need several, like you always talk about, you have different people that will hand you stuff and help you. And it's like, you were one of my main aid stations and I didn't learn the lessons I need to learn when the solar city thing happened, then it had, you know, another one happened. It was super personal and I wasn't my best self. They weren't the, their best selves. And I didn't quite learn it from that one, but well, I did actually, that, that that's where my lesson started. You something, that's, sure. where, that's where I started learning that, okay, you're not a victim. It's like you, sometimes you, you do this to yourself. Sometimes other people do it to you, but regardless, you're not a victim. You have the ability to choose how you respond to that situation. These are some of the things you taught me as I was talking to you. You think about all the people I have in my in my life. And Jake Red was one of those guys I would call Hayes and Tongi were people I'd call Paul Stefan. Had a lot of really good mentors. But the one I leaned on the most was the guy who just got out of prison and he knew some shit. He had gone through some stuff. And I kept going back to you because I'm like, if he can go through everything he went through and be as positive. And Jake, your business has gone through the roof since you got home. I mean, it is just, I mean, your trajectory, I'd love to see a line graph and just watch that hockey stick. And it's like you could have come home and taken time to recover and get yourself back, but you came home ready. And I think the biggest takeaway from this podcast is you went in to your vacation Mm -hmm. (laughs) in Florence knowing, like, okay, I'm one step closer. And that, that, it's goosebumps. You're giving me goosebumps thinking about most people would be like, okay, I'm going to figure my stuff out while I'm in there. I'm going to take a few months to be depressed or the whole time. And you went in with just such a different mindset. It,
0: that is strange to look back and think of it that way. But, but um, no, I appreciate that. I think, I think that us talking through those moments was as helpful. What, you know, I'm glad to hear that it was helpful for you, but it's rehabilitating for me. Like part of the, writing that book and getting it all out on paper and being able to kind of purge my story and purge, you know, I mean, I was gag ordered by the the feds, by a federal judge for years. I couldn't talk about anything in my case Jeez. with anyone outside of my wife and my attorney. So my siblings, my parents, everyone close to me at work, I, I couldn't talk about any of it. So to purge it in a book and in a story that's, you know, my truth and my firsthand experience of what I was going through it was really rehabilitating for me, but also to, to, you know, be there for you and talk with you. I, You know, one of my really, really good buddies from Florence told me that, you know, when you're going through your crap, the best thing you can do is help other people, hmm.
1: and that and that's has stayed with me. I imagine that's when you don't feel like helping other people. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but if you can get out and help other people and share your experience, and that's that's a big part of why why the book, why the podcast, um and and it's it's hopefully it it continues to have that sort of impact, but again, it's it's also really good for me. It's good for my family. It's good it's good for everyone to to be a part of it and and learn from it. And so you you're going through this phase and and I can Speak. I know you mentioned it, but for all the other listeners, I'll just validate it in that in that two or three-year time period where you kind of jumped to a couple of different opportunities, we talked in depth about your agreements that you had, and the man was doing very well financially, so he did really well. I, I was blown away by these opportunities, but that's just who you are and those opportunities that that you have more than deserved and earned. But then to say, ah, oh, that one wasn't right, this one wasn't right, and now you're at Nevo where as long as I've known you, which is only five years, now I'm looking at you going, you are the, your beam, and you talk about breeze countenance when I came home. Your countenance today from 24 months ago is night and day. To see you you know, on stage and with your partners and with your wife and with your family, you're a different man, and, and Nevo has done that for you.
1: Definitely. And I think a lot of people will say like, Oh, you're back to the old John. It's like, no, no, no. I'm a, I'm a whole new, I'm a whole new beast. And, and it, for the better yep. I, and, and Jake, the, the credit goes to the shit, yeah. all the garbage I went through. And there were a couple situations when, you know, you look back, it's like you did that to yourself. And then, and then there's a couple, it's, you didn't do anything wrong you were just doing your job and, and it came to you. And, I'm so beyond grateful to go through all that because solar city thing, I didn't quite learn what I was supposed to learn. It took me a minute. And then the next one, it hurt. It hurt emotionally from a personal perspective and a business perspective. And by the time that third one came, I was ready for it. Like mm-hmm. I was ready. It was like, Hey, okay. And that one was definitely done to me. And, uh, and I was just like, okay, let's go wash my hands. And I, I had one phone call with Jake red where he is like hey you're fine dude don't worry about it and the second he, he told me that I said okay you sure and he's like yeah i'm sure legally you're like you're good don't don't sweat and it was from that point forward i said i golfed a lot and while i, I was golfing <laughs> while i was golfing i was taking my time picking my next move and it was very I, I took 6 months and then i didn't pay myself for another 6 months So i went a full year without making a, a dime and but i was very very methodical and and, and knew that i needed to heal and, and I knew that I was going to come out of the stronger. So I think the way you went in to Florence was the way I, I went into this one, was, which was like, whatever the next thing is, is going to be huge. And I'm going to make a huge impact. And it, whether it's 30 people or 1,000 people, I'm going to help make a massive impact in the space. And everything came together. And it's, it's funny when, like you said, I didn't feel like I was supposed to do uh, – I didn't feel like I should be giving anybody any advice. But I did. I, and I – I poured some of my wisdom or or love or whatever you want to call it into other cups. And it was funny because the more I kept doing that, the more mine kept getting filled. And I learned that watching you doing it to me, you came over, man, you were always there for me. Anytime I needed you, you'd meet me on my back porch or meet me at the rock. And you just sat there and listened to me complain for 15, 20, sometimes an hour and a half. And you were just like, you got this. You never, you never wavered. It was like, you're going to come out of this better. And so aid station, Jake, is, is I'm, I'm just validating what what you preach is I had different people in my life that were aid stations. And I'm beyond, beyond grateful for that. And my takeaway was you owe it to whoever it is you have to be that aid station to. You owe it to pass that forward. And so when people need me or they need, hey, I need to talk, I'm there. Like I, I owe it to that person because Jake did it for me. Jake Red did it for me. Hayes did it for me. I mean, you look at Good Leap, they didn't come off a of Solar City on a high. They were as low as I was, if not lower. And it was like, nope, we're going to go build the biggest, baddest financing company out there, and they did. And they
0: did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. That's that's awesome. Um, I I love that that story, the comeback. You know, the aid stations, how we can help other people. Um, and you know, I've said it before, but it's if I can, if my book or my podcast can. Help one other person, one more person, get through their crap. I think we we live in a better a better place because of it, and 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 it's fun, it's rehabilitating. But everyone is going through their crap, and if you haven't, you're going to, mm-hmm. and how are you going to respond? And if if this next aid station mentality can help you do that, awesome. I think we're we're doing our job there. I, let's take the last few minutes. I really want to talk. Let, let's move into your current state of mind, what your company's doing today what separates nevo from your competitors in texas let's let's just talk nevo for a minute and and really really let the, let the listeners know like how you're leading that company and what you guys are doing differently and why it's growing the way that it is
1: yeah i think what what i spoke about on that panel which is people process products and when you look at investors or or venture capital and private equity goes they usually invest into the people first and they'll they'll invest into really, really good people that have an okay product over somebody that's got a really good product but crappy people. And and I think that's what we've hyper focused on. We really worked on getting the right people in place from the outset because that will then attract more people too. And it was hard, Jake. We we said no to we've said no to more people. And again, I this is part of our conversation. The first time you and I ever talked business was on my back porch. And if you remember, I was telling you, Jake, I am blown away that you're so disciplined and you haven't gone wide like everybody else. And I think I actually told you, man, if I would ever do it, I'd want to be regional and you smart did. the way you mm-hmm. did. And watching you do it and have the success gave me the confidence that, okay, that's that's our play. That's what we need to do. And But we, we've stayed, we've gotten the right people on board and we've stayed really disciplined on, there's so many opportunities that come at you once you. Once you put yourself out there, everybody hits you from a different angle. And We've said no to some opportunities that were really good and, yeah. and it would have made us look like we're crushing it. What,
0: what'd you guys, what'd you guys do in year one and what are you going to do in year two and where's the company going?
1: So we had like 90 million in, in, in installations year one. Uh, I'm pausing for the round of applause from Jake. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was awesome. But it's exactly what we said we, were, we would do. And we'll do about 250 this year. Jeez. But we, Jake, if, if you remember back in December and I was telling you, our goal was 350 and we, we had to scale our goal back to control our quality. And so we actually had to say no to growing to 350, which we're fortunate enough that we can, we can acquire the sales to do it. But it, the potential of, of watching our customer service lacks like, now let's get another year under our belt before we go for the the crazy numbers because volume is, is vanity. I remember a a good mentor of mine told Mm -hmm. me volume is vanity. And so we've stayed really disciplined, but what separates us is that first thing I think is, is people. We've just got amazing people that work with us and we're not, I don't know, we're not trying to take anybody down. It's not, not, it's a lot of people think blue ocean, right? Right. Yeah. But yes, a lot of people think to be really successful, somebody has to lose. And that's just their mindset. And and maybe in some industries that is the case. But in in this one, in this space that we're in, there's so much opportunity. Everybody should win.
0: Yeah, and And I think that's, that's a big part. There were three major things I took from Hayes speaking at SolarCon, which one of them was this blue ocean mentality where it doesn't need to be red ocean just you know lawsuits and taking people out and and winning because of their demise but there's blue ocean strategy i think is what it's called and it's it's creating those strategic partnerships where we can just grow together we can be one together and we can still compete and we can still grow and i think that's what i hope the industry learns that more and more it's been very red ocean for a long time mm-hmm. and it's really cut throat but i think i think the tide is turning i think with the financial landscape of what's happening with with lending and and what's happening in the financial world, I would hope that solar turns more and more blue and, and erases the historic redness that has happened in our industry. And I think that, you know, we are in a position to do that.
1: Oh, 100%. You know, what's funny about Hayes saying that is I, I heard that for the first time I mean, 10 years ago where he Hayes was the sales leader at the company he was one everybody's looking to for confidence and guidance and and he was just full of just crazy energy. A lot more a lot more in your face than he is now. And he said it back then. You know, hey, when when people would come in from other companies and they would rag on their old company, it was a red flag. It's like, hey, they're just gonna come work here and end up doing the same thing. And so people that thought that way weren't attracted to us, but people who thought, hey, everybody should win were attracted. And Hayes when he said it back then, I'm going to be honest, I thought it was just a, a sales pitch. I thought it was just part of his Jedi mind tricks to get people to come work here. And and after about a year, it's like, oh my gosh, he really doesn't say bad things about other people. And then after two years, three years, it's like he really does want other people to win. Yeah. And that's very rare. And so I, I'm I'm so grateful that I was around it for as long as I was because I believe the same thing now. And, and I didn't, I, I used to be, Hey, for me to win, I've got to take this person from you. Now it's like we should all be getting as many new people into solar as we can because it's selfish if we don't invite them into this amazing industry with this opportunity. If we keep it to ourselves and we just keep it a bunch among all the the veterans. Yeah, no, I industry. think I think
0: a lot of the great companies in our industry, some of the ones that have an, an edge, the ones that are growing the right way with the right people and and processes. I feel like those are the companies that have gone out and and grabbed great talent from other industries and pulled them into right. solar, whether it's on the sales side, the ops or install side. There are so many great people and just gems. And like you said early on in the podcast is they can add to your culture. Mm-hmm. They don't need to fit your culture. They can add to the culture and making it better. So I think that's all part of what we're each trying to do with our own businesses, with the industry as we're making change. And we're, we're really trying to like, you know, self-regulate and do lots of things right. And just doing things the right way inside solar will give all of us a brighter future and, more and our homeowners, homeowners, a better experience, the experience they deserve. And that's, that's on us.
1: Oh, well, it's funny when you said not a right fit. I think that's another thing too, is not only did he, not only were the people I was around as a whole, not say bad things about the competition. Cause even even our CEO at Solar City was the same way. He said, I remember one time I was ragging on the competition and he said it was just like the most wise words at the time. He said, never underestimate the competition. Like he had a respect for the competition. Not just, mm-hmm. hey, I want them to win, but it was it was a respect. Hey, don't, don't underestimate, keep your eye on on focus on you. Don't focus on them. And it's just yeah, it's just, it's like that changes the mentality of when you wake up in the morning and you want other people to win, it changes how you view your whole day. And it's, it's this giving mentality of you, you don't have to, if you're the only one that if, we, if you were to win the lottery and you were the only one to keep all the money, all your friends would leave. It's like if you didn't bless a person here or there with it or create opportunities, it's like, that'd be a lonely, sad life. And I think people like, you know, these ultra successful people, I mean, even in your situation, Jake, where you didn't feel like you were having success, you were sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and the things you learned with other people.
0: John, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Jake, Uh, thanks for having me. Good to see you.
0: I am your host, Jake Kilgore. You have listened to the Next Aid Station.